Hey, everybody. If you're listening to this wonderful guitar song in my voice, well, then you've arrived right now with Stan Wangler. And today is September 24th, 2020. And how the heck are you doing today? Well, thanks for tuning in to the uh, podcast. I hope you enjoyed the uh, show we had for today that uh, was put out actually yesterday on Ruth Bader Ginsburg and her funeral and the uh, very decent behavior that, uh, you know, was displayed there by many people. And uh, today's show, uh, you know, is is kind of political because uh, that's what's happening right now, big time. I mean, I'd like to talk a little bit about sports and some other funny stuff. But I was having a discussion with uh, my wife the other day. We were driving in the car and, uh, you know, she's very political, like I am, and like many of you are. And uh, many times she's very, very fearful about uh, America and the, you know, are, the, are we going, have, have we gone off the rails with uh, a lot of the behavior? Well, if you've listened to my other shows, you know, I can get pretty crazy on that. Or have in the past. And I guess I also... Uh, have been working very hard about uh, letting my best side come out uh, and making some self-corrections like I did in that show uh, on this channel the other day. And to me, they've been very helpful. And that's it kind of kind of ties into this song by uh, Larry Carlton, Minute by Minute, this nice uh, cover on the song. Because uh, a lot of people feel that they're holding on right now, minute by minute. Their job uh, has been lost. Uh, the world that they knew... Uh, is gone. You know, the holidays are coming up. Uh, they're fearful of how they're going to get together. Other people are, you know, taking it lackadaisically. Other people, you know, maybe overreacting uh, to different things. Uh, we have a lot of misinformation out there, uh, you know, with different things. But as I was talking to my wife about the political stuff, she said a very interesting thing, and she was very serious. And, and we've done this many times in life, whether it's been with a medical problem or when our house was flooded very seriously twice, or my, uh, my uh, oldest daughter passed away, or my parents got Alzheimer's and got very sick. You know, initially things are shocking, and then if you determine to use your uh, critical thinking, your values, your moral self-discipline, good common sense, you realize that uh, you're not scared anymore about those kind of things, that uh, your fear was getting in the way of things, and that's normal. And, uh, you know, you, you have to, uh, you know, bring it down a notch and uh, deal with the problem. And uh, that's today's show. Uh, that's kind of what I'd like to go over in today's show, about letting the fear go. And uh, I hope that you guys will sit and uh, come back uh, after I end this segment and uh you know, come and join me for the rest of the show on some things that have to do with fear, uh, reality, making good choices, and denial, and how we can take a look at these very scary situations and, uh, you know, figure out, A, solutions to them, and B, feel a lot better about things. So I'll catch you back in just about, I don't know, two or three seconds. (laughs) Okay. So let me let me end out with a little bit of Larry uh, Carlton's cover here. I love this song, Minute by Minute. It's an oldie but a goodie.
Hey everyone, this is Stan Wanglin. I'm back for today's recording, for today's podcast, I should say, on fear, denial, and uh, you know, reality or critical thinking. How do we deal? How do we get rid of that? Uh, those feelings of of uh, fearfulness. Uh, we are afraid of what's going to happen, and you know, the first thing is to to take a to take note of the fact that, uh, you know, it's important in important times like this in our country or important times in your life when maybe your job has been affected or your family or your bills, you might be threatened with losing your home or whatever. It's normal uh, to feel uh, worried, confused, unsure of what to do. That doesn't make you a bad person. But, you know, people, when they get put in these fearful situations, um, for those of you who are joining the first time, you know, I'm a psychologist by trade for over 40 years. I mean, but you don't have to be a psychologist. It's just common sense, really. When people get fearful, they're anxious and fearful, and they, you know, get into that fight or flight mentality. Those are the two, you know, that uh, we're generally aware of. You're either going to try and kill somebody, which is what we're doing now with one another, because we're fearful of change. We're fearful of all these uh, of all these boogeymen that uh, are being portrayed out there in our own minds, in our families, and political parties, in the news, and the things that we read. Uh, it doesn't have to be fake news; it can be real news. Uh, can can scare the bejesus out of you. But uh, you know, the natural response to those things, generally for most people, is to fight them or flee from them. And and those are survival instincts. That's what you know keep, keeps you alive, keeps me alive. Keep you know. It provides for our survival, those two things. Well, as human beings, uh, you know, become more intellectual over time, you know, we, we, unlike animals, where it's just purely learned behaviors or, you know, reflexive behaviors, instinctual behaviors, um, you know, we, we have intellectual skills where we can become critical thinkers. We can look at things and understand that we're fearful right now. And rather than give in to our primitive you know, automatic reflexes to, to, to go out and try and kill somebody or run away from somebody. Uh, another version that is to go into complete denial, uh, you know, or become frozen or blocked is to use our intellectual powers, to use our volitional behaviors, the things that we can do, to use our powers of reasoning, uh, you know, to, to use, um, to, to have accurate cognitions, perceptions of reality. And, you know, that's what is lacking for many people right now uh, and why some people become fearful. Um, I'll give you a good example. Look at the issue of masks. Some people are fearful of the virus. In my opinion, it's just coronavirus as well they should be. I mean, you've got to be completely in denial if you think that this is the flu or just, you know, some uh, just innocent kind of thing. It's not. It's not a hoax. But if you don't believe that, well, just listen, you know, just for the sake of, you know, humor me for a second or, you know, don't humor me. Be a decent person. Just listen to my argument uh, as I can, can listen to yours. That creates anxiety in a lot of people and they're going to want to mask up. They're going to want to glove up. They, you know, they, they might retreat actually too much from things. And it depends where you are and what the circumstances are, what the, your individual circumstances are. My goodness, you might be a person who's in, on chemotherapy or who has a very serious immune system problem. Or you could be like me. I have a heart condition. I have uh, 
uh, you know, CA, uh, coronary arterial disease. I have CAD. I, you know, I'm 70. I have a kidney issue that, uh, you know, they're, they're the things that are probably going to take me out at some point in time, but they're underlying conditions and I'm going to be 70 very shortly. So I'm not like a prime candidate to go, to go bowling in a high viral load. Uh, maybe I'd get away with it. Maybe I wouldn't, but I'd be a, a big risk taker, right? So how fearful do you have to be of that? Well, I go out all over the place. I, you know, I, I go to stores. I go things. I do, you know, see people. I stand my six feet away. Some people I know are pretty clean. I'm a little bit closer, but I'm masked up when I need to be masked up. I try and do everything in the fresh air. Uh, you know, uh, and uh, I certainly don't want to be have people breathing on me. No, I don't eat in anybody's house but my own. I wouldn't care if, um, uh, you know, in, unless it's Jesus coming off the cross. I, I, there's nothing I'm eating from your home. There's nothing you have that's, you know, that's that delicious that I'm going to eat from you. You know, um, I, I just... Don't want to do that. I don't see the need for that. And I'm upfront with people. Some people think that's excessive. And I say, fine, you know, then, you know, do your own thing. Uh, I know that that's not the primary way that this virus is spread. But, you know, I, I don't think that's a good idea. Now, I'm just trying to give you an example where you might think that's a little bit over the top. But, you know, I'll go here, there, and a million other places that other people wouldn't do. But to me, I'm not going any place where there's a viral load. I'm not going any place where I'm not fully, um, you know, uh, in a sense of where I feel that I have reasonable controls with a mask. No, I'm not. Still not getting my hair cut by uh, by somebody in cost cutters or you know my old hair salon where you know there's a million people in there with God knows what, and the, the systems I know the air systems in there are not designed to handle this. Uh, you know. That, that's risky behavior. And, you know, doctors will tell you that. They'll say, you know, gyms, bars, restaurants, not a good idea. In my opinion, it's followed by places like bowling alleys, movie theaters. You know, you're asking for it. You're asking to, to, to check the odds. Uh, you know, now that's the, that's the concern or the fear uh, to me that I consider in a rational way. Uh, some of it might be a little overboard for, for some people, and that might be irrational. Excuse me. <coughs> See, I'm talking about this. It's making me sneeze already. Now, I know I'm not telling you anything new. The other reaction to that fear is to say it's not there. You know, it's like Ghostbusters. I don't need to know ghosts. I used to say that to my kids, you know, and it's a big joke or whistling in the dark or gallows humor or, you know, you're going through a graveyard. <laughs> you know, you're scared to death. But you're pretending that there's nothing there. Well, sometimes there is crazy stuff in the dark. Uh, yeah, and you, we can ask our forefathers and foremothers <laughs> and all the other people where a bear got them or something or a snake bit them or some crazy thing. Or uh, You know, that's how human beings learn to be apprehensive about the dark or strange situations or whatever. You know, they, they are exposed to situations and they assimilate information based on those systems. Uh, that's Piagetian learning theory, by the way. And they said, nah, you know, the dark isn't going to kill me all the time, but if I hear like a bah, and it's dark, not a good place to go. You know, it's like, you know, certain places when you're in the, uh, you know, certain tropical waters or other places, not a good idea to go swimming. I, you know, don't do that at night and splash around. You know, sharks really do come around. You want to think that's, uh, 
being paranoid, think again. You know, the odds may be very low that you're going to get uh, bitten by a shark, but uh, you want to risk that because it does happen. I mean, you're, you're just setting that up. So you got people who maybe are following the rules or following reality a little too stringently uh, in some areas, and then you get people who are in complete denial about things. I think the other thing on this show, and this is going to tie into these terrible political things that are happening and, and the fearful behavior where people have been scared to death and we get all this divisiveness. I'm going to give you a great oversimplification here. And uh, I, I think the people that are crazy are not me, uh, are people who think that that can't be done, is, um, is the fact that we have to use common sense and we have to use critical thinking and we have to take a look at our fears and say, why are we acting the way that we're acting? What are we, what's coming out of us? What, you know, what is this, you know, this racist behavior, if we're a racist, are, you know, it's a legitimate fear. If you've been the, if you've been the racial group or the economic group or the religious group that's been in power for 400 years, and all of a sudden it looks like you're going to not be the top dog for a while and everybody's dancing around doing a whole different thing. And it looks like you're going to get left out. You're going to be scared to death. And the point of right now is to, to be straight with one another right now. That isn't abnormal. That isn't crazy for people to feel that way. That's normal. What becomes crazy and what becomes counterproductive is when we say we're not acting out of fear or we develop evil ways to deal with our fear. When we start fighting and suppressing and keeping people down and doing other, the wrong things that we shouldn't do that we know are immoral that are not appropriate values and are not appropriate behaviors. And that can be on any side of the spectrum. That isn't reserved just for Republicans or Democrats or socialists or conservatives. Now, you know that and I know that. And uh, if you're listening to the show, you know, I'm, I'm sure if you've listened to it more than once, you're probably, a, you have the potential to be a reasonable person like I do. And that's the whole point of right now is to, to become more reasonable in these very troubled times, to look at reason to look at morals, to look at values, whether it be in sports or whether it be in, uh, you know, how we raise our kids or how we're acting with different things. So to think about what people are messaging when they're in the, to denial, what they're messaging is they're afraid. They're afraid to accept that. Yeah, I can get sick. Yeah, there's nothing to matter. Or when you're, when you're going overboard in another direction, you're afraid that uh, you're going to get sick and you're not going to be able to control your fate with things. I know for me what, what, what became a fearful thing in the beginning, and it is not anymore, is I would never tolerate that uh, in life uh, or the, even the thought of it again, is when this whole thing hit and they were saying people over 60, oh, they're, you know, they're not going to get a ventilator. They're going to be thrown out in the parking lot. And they were. And, uh, hey, man, uh, not right. And, uh, you know, it may happen, but I'm not going to live my life thinking that, I, you know, you know, other people, it's like dying alone. And, and you know, so you don't want to get sick because that's that's not how you anticipate in a normal world, in the, in the world that we live in, uh, you know, things ending. If, if it's bad enough, you're going to die, but you're going to, you know, have strange people in a tube down your throat and also, you know, so you have all these fears that are there. That, and which result in denial or result in uh, taking crazy actions or fighting with people and saying, get that mask up. You know, because the, you see somebody with a mask, it makes you fearful. You see somebody without a mask, it makes you fearful. So fear is the factor there, a lack of reason. 
And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, uh, you know, you know, friends and neighbors and good people. Uh, that's what we want to do is we want to use good critical thinking. We want to recognize right now at these very critical times, whether it be political things, things in our families, things in our community, the way that we uh, basic courtesy and kindness and perceptions about other people that we we have to use good common sense. We have to use good critical thinking, good morals, good values, uh, intelligence. Again, not overreaction and not denial. Because if we do that, you're going to have a bad outcome and I'm going to have a bad outcome. And if that happens, you know, that happens. But that was the point of my story with my wife and I feel very good about it and I feel the same way. I'm not, I'm not, I, I watched the president, for example, I watch the president jerking people's chains all the time. And, you know, that's by design, ladies and gentlemen. Anybody who's lived in New York, you don't have to be a millionaire. That's that's the deal, man. You, you jerk somebody's chain. Any, people in our country have decided that they don't want to understand science. They don't want to understand history. Uh, the vast majority of people, they don't want to be educated. I mean, watch the old Jay Leno shows when he go jaywalking. Somebody would say, uh, when Lincoln was president, who was, you know, what was going on? People say World War One, Vietnam. I mean, you know, it's ridiculous. So lots of people don't like knowledge because knowledge is very frightening. It's like when you look at this thing with the virus and what it can do, you know, knowledge tells you that it's not the flu. Knowledge tells you that we don't have the uh, vaccine treatments or proper masks or anything else to, to guard against people getting sick and dying. Dr. Gupta was on television last night. He's a, he's a famous doctor. He's on there and, and he represents a mainstream medicine. And he laid it out for people when they were talking about people going home for the holidays in the airport. He said, sure, you want to go home? He says, I'm a doctor, an epidemiologist. I work in a huge clinic. Do you have this special machine that even I don't have? You know, it's a machine that measures you at the moment if you have the potential for the virus. Do you have an N95 mask and does it fit properly? And do you have to use it? There are none available for you and I. Are you going to, you know, are you going to take your testing and get accurate results and accurate results of other people in this time period, in this time period, and then quarantine yourself for three days? You're not going to do any of those things. Are you going to get on a plane that really doesn't have a viral load for things like that? No. He says, I hate to break the bad news to you. No, you shouldn't be flying. You shouldn't be going home for the holidays and doing that. Unless these are people that you're with all the time and you know they, they, you, you know the circumstances and they're not infected. Should we be celebrating Halloween? Please. How important is Halloween? Is it as important as your mother and father's life or your school teacher or bus driver? Think of when somebody says they, they don't want to wear a mask, for example. I, I don't want to take one side or the other, but it's such a small thing. Why all this stuff about your freedom and uh, about this, that, or a million and one other things? Isn't it really about you controlling things, that you're afraid somebody's going to control you? You're afraid that somebody's going to make you, and, and you resent that. You're angry about that. You're not thinking about another person. A little thing like a mask, that's like a big deal. You know? It's uh, it's like when certain people want to, you know, legally want to take choices to do things that they want to do that I don't think are safe. I said, I, I'm not going to sit and shame you. If you want to take that risk, I wish you wouldn't. 
But as long as you're not going to affect anybody else, if that's what you want to do, I'm very sad for you, but go ahead and do it. It's the same thing. Why do I have to control you? But you do live in a society. There is a public health law. There are public health menaces. Why don't we understand that? Why don't we understand that? That's because there's fear and anger and uh, then faulty reasoning and faulty behaviors that we're using right now. And we have to understand that that's normal uh, to do that many times, to use faulty behaviors, and we have to stop. I mentioned President Trump and him saying, well, I may do a third term and I may do a fourth term, and I don't know if there'll be a, a fair, you know, uh, I don't know if I'll transfer the uh, power uh, and there'll be a transfer if I lose the election and, and, and people are rightly so, you know, and tied up in a knot on that kind of thinking. <coughs> like I said, I'm going to be 70. I've never, I've seen every president since President Eisenhower. I've even seen President Truman. He wasn't president when I was a kid, but he was still had just been president. Actually, he was president when I was a kid until 1952. <coughs> but my point being, with that kind of stuff, nobody does that. But we've gotten to such a point that we have broken down all kinds of norms, all kinds of normal behaviors and traditions and values uh, that we would do. And they started in the primaries with Locker Up, uh, Little Mario, and uh, calling the president an orange orangutan, him taking an inauguration speech, saying, this is all going to stop right now. People protest. Look, look at where it's gotten us. You have a person who didn't even believe that he was going to be the United States and, uh, you know, made all kinds of silly, threatening kinds of things. People came out in droves. Uh, it was World War III from day one. And the, there's a reason that this guy is looking to uh, make sure he steals this election or threatens you or cajoles you and I or convinces people to do things. Two things. His followers uh, are getting all the judges and other people that they can get appointed no matter what he does, he's been very helpful with that uh, because he goes along with that. And that allays their fears of their lifestyle changing for a few more decades. They'll hold the power. So they'll put up with his nonsense. And I'm just calling it what it is, in my opinion. If you disagree, if you think it's good stuff, fine. I don't have to hate you for it. I think it's, you know, treasonous kinds of stuff, illegal kinds of stuff. Why is he doing that? Well, have, everybody's been after this guy, the FBI, the Democrats, independents, even his own party. They're after him like a, you know, like a, like a bunch of uh, Comanche Indians on the warpath for the settlers who've taken their lands, man. They want his scalp. They want his scalp. They want his uh, wife's scalp. They want his partner's scalp. They, they, you know, he hasn't been an honest businessman in many areas. He, I'm sure he has a lot to hide. Everything has been revealed about him. You got courts waiting all over to, to just wait to see if he gets bounced out so they can put him in jail. Probably for the rest of his life, if he doesn't get reelected, he's going to be in court. I think if I won the presidency, I would give him a pardon. And just go, just give them a pardon and say, hey, look, you know, let's get, get, goodbye. And now we've all got to move on to bigger issues. Got it? So he's going to do anything he can do. So 
getting back to this idea of fear and things like that, well, think it through. Why should we be afraid that this person is actually going to do things like that? Or why should we be afraid that politicians who are elected by us are going to do things that we don't want them to do? I'm saying to you that when you stop and think about it, we shouldn't be afraid. Do you know only uh, more than 42% of the people who are eligible to vote don't vote? We're so worried now about voter suppression. You know how this whole darn thing could stop? By all the people who can vote, do their civic duty and go out and vote. Instead of going out and, and getting a McDonald's or going to the bar or going to the bowling alley and risking your life, go to the voting uh, booth, go to the polls, get your ballot, you, you know, whatever it is. And if you think that you like President Trump and you like the values and you like, then clearly vote him in because he didn't win the popular vote. Vote him in. And in four more years, goodbye, he's gone. And if you don't like him, then vote him out. Now, here's the thing. You're saying, but, but you're giving a mixed message. This guy's saying he's not going to go. Do you seriously think that he, he would not go if millions of people peacefully took the street? I'm not talking about people breaking windows out and doing everything. Do you think that Mitch, Mitch McConnell's already tried to tell you that? And tell me, and I have no respect for, for Senator McConnell. I think he's like Newt Gingrich and Harry Reid is another one who was a Democrat. Pulled some real shenanigans. Uh, with different things, and uh, but McConnell has been a whole new animal. Of really, you know, he wants his agenda in there, and he'll he sold his he's sold his soul to the devil. But what are we afraid of that for? Do we think that the military? Do I think that anybody from the military is going to come and arrest me? No, even if they were ordered to, I don't think that. Do I think that police are going to come and arrest me? No. I know many policemen, they're not going to do that. Could there be somebody on the fringe who do that in the military or the police? Yeah. Do I think there's going to be torture cells or concentration camps here? No. And do I think if enough people, uh, you know, I mean, said, took to the streets peacefully, or if politicians who were responsible simply went in mass, ex-presidents, senators from both parties, say, you can't do this. How could one person do that? They couldn't carry that out. And I think that ties in to my wife's argument of, of not being afraid. It's the same thing you do when you have a heart, like, it's like with me, if somebody tells you they have blockage in your heart, my, my good buddy, uh, I won't mention his, his name, uh, who needed a double bypass. Yeah, you get the, you, you know, somebody does a catheterization, they tell you, you're, you're gonna die or you gotta have a bypass. Same with me. You know, you're going to have a heart attack if you don't get this stent put in. you got 100% blockage. It's all blocked up, man. At that point in time, you're pretty grateful just to have the thing, that the fear of that's pretty much over. I mean, you know, you're either going to wake up or you're not. It's a moot point. People get cancer. They're very frightened and confused and everything. But at some point, most people, you know, they get real serious about it. I mean, you know, they, they say, hey, it's, i got to deal with this now. So I think that's what we have to do. And how we deal with it is really the issue. And that's something I've learned through this whole process. I'm, yeah, maybe some good will come out of this. There have to be some changes uh, in our behavior if we're going to solve the big problems. 
And, and one of them is to stop reacting. Everything is a knee-jerk reaction. Because right now we're completely out of control. Everything that everybody says, the president says something, it's a new cycle, it doesn't stop. Everybody's got, you know, tweets and Twitter. Come on, it's ridiculous. This isn't how you run your life, do you? And if you do, then you need some emotional growth, some mental health, some spiritual growth, whatever it takes. All three, more maybe. Maybe some medicine, a good cup of coffee, a good meal, a good night's sleep. We have Americans who, um, things like the pandemic and other things, uh, other factors, globalization, uh, you know, all kinds of things that are out there have hindered them, have hindered their family, the safety of their family, their careers and whatever. We have to address those issues. You know, we've done this successfully before. We've done this in the Great Depression in the 30s. Franklin Delano Roosevelt did this when he took the bull by the horn and he primed the pump. And we can do that with things like infrastructure. We can do that with things uh, like climate change. We don't have to defund the police or we don't have to shoot policemen or tear cities apart. If we need to protest, we can do things peacefully. We can do things in mass. And if you don't believe me, countries like India, you know, and other places in the world, they, you know, they use passive resistance. Even in the 60s and the 70s in America, you know, sit-ins and peace-ins and things like that, they, they ended the war. The government wanted that going on. They wanted that. No, it was not going to happen. The will of the people prevailed. And your will and my will can prevail, but we have to have good morals, good values. And people, and people say, what do you mean good? What does that mean? Good defined. You know what the proper things are to do. And I know that. Come on. There isn't a person that I know, whether it's a protester in the street or a policeman or a soldier or the president of the United States, but President Trump knows what the right thing is to do. Whether he'll do that or not is a different thing. Mitch McConnell knows the right thing. Chuck Schumer knows the right thing. Whatever your name is, Bill, Mary, Joanne, you know what the right thing is to do. You're not a sociopath. The, 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 the vast majority of people are mentally ill. They aren't morally bereft in the country. They're, they're just lost right now. They've, they've taken some, some uh, you know, very bad steps. But it really, we're complicating things rather than making it easy. And we can make this very easy. Remember that number, probably 42 to 45% of the people who are eligible voters don't vote. Think if those people took the streets with the other people and said, hey, look, I don't care who's in as a president, but you have to be legitimately elected. Or if people in a group said, hey, we need police, we need safe streets, but you can't be doing these particular things. We don't do those things in the military. We've already learned that. We don't do that in this country. So I don't know. Uh, you know, I think in every crisis there's an opportunity, and I think there's one in these very troubling times. And I want to throw that out to you. And I think it starts with looking inside yourself and see where your fear comes from, and then trying to cope with it, understand it, and then pick a healthy, healthy way to try and make the situation better. And I know you're capable of doing that, or most people are, and I know that I am. So this is a show of hope. This is a show of uh, uh, hopefully something that inspires all of us to act together. And if one person changes, then I will be very, very happy.
So thank you for listening to the show, and uh, I'll catch you on the next episode of Right Now, and we'll see what's happening. Bye-bye now. Right Now with Stan Wanglin was produced, directed, edited, and hosted by yours truly, Stan Wangland. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, hit the uh, like button, hit the subscribe button. There's a message button if you want to give me a message or say, that show stunk, whatever. Or, gee, that was a brilliant show, whatever. You can also get me uh, at my email. That's swangland, S-W-A-N-G-L-U-N-D at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, but hey, I don't use that too much anymore. Uh, I'm on Twitter also, uh, swangland at Twitter, but I just post the shows on there. Uh, the show uh, is uh, originally done in an anchor format, but it's done on 12 other podcasting platforms. They're all out there. Anyone that you could possibly use, Breaker, Podbean, uh, iTunes, uh, Google, um, you name it, uh, it's on there. And if you want to listen to old episodes of Just Thinking or Mind, Body, and Spirit, feel free. They're there also. So thank you for listening. And I'm going to have a little song to end the show. I like music to put into the show. I think I'm going to do a little cover of Imagine from John Lennon. You might like it. good for the soul, a little smooth jazz, and I won't bother you anymore, just take a listen, close your eyes, imagine something nice. that and I'll see you next time on right now bye bye now